Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Anything that we do from a policy perspective, and this is the mantra of Global Healthy Living Foundation, policies, legislations, anything that passes, the patient has to directly benefit from them. Welcome to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. He's Dr. Robert Popovian joining me from LA. And you know he's a pharmacist, economist, and chief science policy officer with us at GHLF. And up the coast from me in Seattle, Washington, he's Connor Mertens, patient advocate and community outreach manager at Global Healthy Living Foundation. As you know, our goal here is to help simplify the complexities in healthcare economics and policy issues for you. So Robert, as we start this new series, it's exciting to read a listener comment. You ready? Absolutely, let's do it. Bobby J.W. writes, taking the politics out of patient care. Yes, we need unbiased discussions of the issues so we patients can be more informed when it comes to advocacy. Eager to hear more episodes. That's what it's all about, Robert, right? Absolutely, we need to take the politics out of healthcare because as I mentioned before, no way in no how when you show up to get your treatment or pick up your prescription or see a physician, they ask you about your politics before they take care of you or a pharmacist provides you the medicine. Well, let's get into it, Robert. Today, we're going to chat about step therapy. For a myriad of reasons, step therapy or fail-first protocols mandate that a patient ought to fail on one or more drugs that their provider did not select for them, effectively deprioritizing the disease management decisions made by providers and their patients, and putting it in the hands of insurers and formularies. Right off the bat, that just sounds problematic. Robert, can you tell us why this practice is harmful for patients? The bigger question is why are people doing it? And it's just to save money. It's not for better care. It's primarily intended to save money for the insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers. It is problematic for patients because what is failing? Is failing ending up in the hospital? Is failing patient dying? Is failing a patient having a side effect or not get appropriate treatment and not have a cure to their disease? That has never been defined. And it's unfortunate that we put the patients in a very awkward situation where they have to go and try therapies that have not been recommended to them by their healthcare professional, and instead have to follow a formulary that was designed as an aggregate of all the data instead of getting the medicine that was chosen for them by their physician or healthcare professional. So are these decisions that are directly impacting a patient's treatment, continuation of care, and overall health outcomes being influenced by someone whose motivation is their health above all else, or like you said, a bottom line? This is the bottom line. Over the last dozen years, we've tried as a patient community, the provider community, the pharmaceutical industry, the policymakers, employers to a certain extent have tried to curtail these type of activities and policies, either by changing regulations in the states or introducing legislation that would either curtail or prohibit these type of practices. Unfortunately, there's more to be done, but this is absolutely about the bottom line. It has nothing to do with better patient care. If it had to do with better patient care, insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers would do a better job of explaining why are they doing these things? Because at the end of the day, failing on a medicine is not a pleasant experience for the patient. 
But unfortunately, as a patient advocate, I hear far too often patients' horror stories of a fail-first system. And to put it in perspective, I think people need to realize what this looks like every day. A patient could be stable on the same medication long-term, and as a formulary changes, they're forced to restart and maybe start taking a medication that has sent them to the hospital in the past or has had negative health outcomes, and they're not going to be able to get the drug that is prescribed and that has the most benefit to them until they fail again on those drugs. Is that right, Robert? That is absolutely correct. And it has nothing to do with formulary changing only. A patient can be employed by a individual company and they change jobs and they change insurance companies and they have to start from the beginning and utilizing drugs that probably they have had issues with in the past and continue to do that type of rhythmic treatments until they get back to the therapy that was probably working for them. And that's one of the myriad of problems with step therapy that we've seen that patients end up having to go back and utilize the medicines that probably at some point in their therapies they've tried, but now they have to go back and try it again because of these changes, whether it's the formulary, like you mentioned, or they change in their employment status. So I have to imagine when patients aren't subjected to step therapy, there's got to be a better adherence to their drug treatment plans. Is that something that we see? That is absolutely true. I mean, study after study has shown that any disruption into treatment of patients with chronic diseases ends up basically having patients become non-compliant, which is non-adherent and not take their medicines as was prescribed by the healthcare professional. So for example, it could be as simple as changing the pill color. When a color of the pill changes that you've been on for many, many, many years, patients do become non-compliant. So it's even worse when you are stable in a therapy and then you change an employer or a formulary changes and you have to go through these therapies from the beginning. Let's start from the start here. Fail first really is designed to save money. And if it's designed to save money, let's be transparent about it. And instead of trying to couch it as a way of better medical care for patients. What is being done about this legislatively? What can we see progress in curtailing these obviously insidious practices? For the last dozen years, we've tried to pass regulations and legislations in various states. And now there's actually talk of doing a federal legislation to be able to either manage or curtail or eliminate step therapy from the healthcare system. What has happened over time is that as these legislations have passed, we've paid little attention as a community of patients, providers, pharma companies, employers on how those regulations have been written. And at that point, what we found, all the majority of states, 29 of them, have passed some form of legislation at some point regarding step therapy. What we found is that the impact has been minimal. And what we need to do is do a better job of not only passing this legislation, but then going back and ensuring that the regulations that are written to sort of put those in place are also adhered to. But we're doing a better job. I think the paper that was published by Global Healthy Living Foundation shed some light on it. And the data doesn't lie that the job is well done from passing legislation. But what we need to do is better job of providing impetus for regulation. And that's going to be the key here. As we move forward, 
we have to make sure that as we introduce these bills in the state level and on the federal level, that we do a better job of keeping the regulators' feet to the fire to ensure that they are adhered to by the insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers. And we will get there. I have no doubt about it. It's just that at this point, we've done a lot of activity, but not necessarily activity that fully benefits the patients at this point. Well, I'm ready to go, Robert. I'm calling my congressperson's office tomorrow. What am I telling them? I've heard of this safe step back. Can you tell us more about that? Go on. What you should tell them is that, look, there are instances that step therapy may be necessary policy when, for example, there's a bioequivalent generic or a biosimilar that can be utilized instead of a therapy like a brand name medicine, which will save money not only for the patient, but for the healthcare system to directly lowering out-of-pocket costs. And that's the key here, because anything that we do from a policy perspective, and this is the mantra of Global Healthy Living Foundation, policies, legislations, anything that passes the patient has to directly benefit from them. So in fact, step therapy for switching patients from a brand name medicine to a biosimilar or a generic works out well, and the patient is saving money, then we're all for it. But that is the seldom the case. Most often it is forcing the patients to try therapies that either have not worked for them in the past or have not been chosen for them by their healthcare professional. And that's the thing that we need to look out for. I really appreciate it in your op-ed, you pointed out so eloquently that healthcare professionals take the oath of do first do no harm. We don't get that same oath from the folks who are drawing up these formularies and deciding what is and isn't covered. I think we should be leaving those decisions up to our doctors. What do you think? That is absolutely true. I mean, every healthcare professional takes a note to make sure that we do not do harm first. It is to help patients out. And that is the mantra and the oath that GHLF has taken, that the patient should benefit from any and all policies that are instituted in the healthcare environment. Insurers and PBMs and their clinical staff have never explained what it means to fail. Should a patient suffer from worsening disease symptoms or side effects, or maybe to be hospitalized, is that considered a failure? Insurers and PBMs also unnecessarily demand that providers justify every single intervention they utilize through mounds of paperwork. Isn't it time to make sure that insurers and PBMs provide the similar level of evidence for their step therapy policies and the fail first policies, and also take the same oath that every single healthcare professional has taken and institutions like Global Healthy Living Foundation live every day by, which is first do no harm and ensure that the patient benefits first. As always, I want to make sure you get the last word in here. I've certainly learned that common thread in many of our conversations is the increased need for transparency in all the levels of the healthcare process. What do you think patients should take away? Look, the folks out there should know that we as Global Healthy Living Foundation, healthcare professionals such as myself, employers, and most policymakers are on their side. We are fighting for them every day to get better access to their medicines. It is important for us as a society, as a community, to go back to the states and now on the federal level especially, and fight for what you said, a more transparent, more enforceable laws that help more patients, particularly those with chronic diseases who rely on stable, affordable access to medicines prescribed by their healthcare professionals. Remember, the intent is to help patients. And remember, 
the oath is first do no harm. At the end of the day, patience is the most important thing for everyone, and we need to continue to fight for them. And as always, we hope you are able to take something away from this conversation as well. And we'd love to hear from you. Please share your ideas with us and email us at healthcarematters at ghlf.org. And who knows, whatever you share may be included in our listener feedback portion in future episodes. Send us your videos, your audio clips, your thoughts. What are the kids into these days, Robert? Is it TikTok? It was TikTok, Snapchat, things that I'm not on. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs> Robert, I'm excited to see your TikTok dances showing up soon. Well, if you see me dancing on TikTok, it will be the day that we've introduced meaningful legislation to help patients. And I will do that TikTok dance for you, Connor. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. If you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest five-star rating and a positive review. And wherever you're listening, don't forget to click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. He's Dr. Robert Popovian. He's Connor Merton. See you all next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.